we have an amazing portion of scripture to look at today. And uh, we're going to start in verse 35. Maybe you're familiar with this story, but I pray that God would speak to you through it today. It says this, let's read Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. As I feel the heat of the sun on my back right now, and there's no wind, and um, it's really calm and perfect temperature here in Southern California on a Sunday. Um, we have perfect weather right now. And yet, Lord Jesus, we know that internally in a lot of people's lives, there's something of a raging storm. And Lord, for some people, maybe they've come here to church and life around them has just been chaotic. I mean, collectively as a whole, we can say in 2020, we have been through a little bit of a storm. But Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are awake and that you care. You are concerned for your people. And God, we ask that today, by the words of your mouth, you would speak, Lord, and storms would be still. Lord, that there would be calm and there would be peace that would come upon your people today for those who need it and for those who cry out to you. So Lord, we ask that you put a real blessing on our time to the, today, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive all that you would do today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's read again, beginning at verse 35, where it says this, on that day. Now, Mark is giving us a little bit of a timestamp, telling us that the things that we're about to read are on the same day as the things that preceded it. And so what happened on this day? Well, that same day, Jesus had just taught a multitude on the Sea of Galilee. He was sitting in a boat, and they were sitting on a shore, and he taught them in parables. It was also the same day that uh, likely it was his family who came to him and tried to have something of an intervention with Jesus. You know, they said, hey, this guy, he's crazy. He's losing his mind. Let's step in and fix this situation. This is also potentially the same exact day that Jesus responded to the accusations of the scribes who said that Jesus was doing the works that he did by the power of demons. Now, listen, if any of you guys had a day like that, would you say that you would be feeling pretty tired? Yeah? I know that a day like that, I would be spent. And that is exactly how Jesus is feeling on this day. Jesus was tired. It was the end of the day of a long day of ministry, of meeting with people and talking to people and healing, whatever he did, all the things that Jesus did on any given day of ministry 
it's going to require a little bit of a, of, of a nap, right? And that's exactly what Jesus does. The first thing here is that I want us to consider is the fact that Jesus was even tired and the fact that Jesus even took naps. Because what we need to realize about Jesus, and I think the point that Mark is trying to make in giving these details, is that as the readers, we already know from Mark chapter 1, verse 1, basically that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God. But what we also are realizing is that Jesus is also a man. The, the people in the story, the disciples that were following him, at this point, they mainly just thought that he was a man, that he was a good teacher, that he did some good works, that there was something about this man that was authoritative and powerful, but they weren't coming to the sense yet that he was God. Now we, you know, having our Bibles, especially if you've already trusted in Christ as your Savior, you understand that Jesus is both God and man. And so when the disciples are gonna ask at the end of this, at the end of this story, where they say, who then is this? Hopefully, we already know the answer. But for the people in the story, these disciples, this is going to be one of those days where they're getting that much closer to understanding the true identity of Jesus. Now, when I say that we, if you're here this morning, that we as the readers, we already know who Jesus is, I say that at least hoping that that is true. I mean, this Bible testifies about who he is, and if you give it an honest look, you will come to realize that it actually does tell us that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. What the Bible declares is that Jesus is God the Son, that there is one God who consists in three persons. We call this the Trinity. And the second person of the Trinity is the God-man, this is Jesus, and as we're reading this historical account, we're reading about the fact that God left heaven and came to earth, that God took a bod, if you will. You know, we're gonna celebrate that here at Christmas time. The God of the universe who spoke all things into existence, all things are for him, all things are by him and to him, and everything is about Jesus. He's our creator. He's preeminent. And yet he came as a humble baby. He came to serve us and to love us. And ultimately, in the incarnation, the reason why he took on a body is so that he could die for us. That he could bear in his body the penalty of sin that humanity deserved. This is the God that we're going to look at today as we open this story. Now, theologically, let's just understand that. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is 100% God and 100% man. That's how a lot of people like to put it. Now, how that adds up mathematically, I don't know. I'm not so good at math. But what I understand is that he is God and I am not and that he can be fully God and fully man. And even though there is a profound mystery in that, I think that as we'll see this story today, we're gonna see both the humanity and the deity of Jesus on display. So continuing on at verse 35, it says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and the other boats were with him. 
So it tells us again about the time, that it was evening, and that Jesus had been teaching from this boat to the crowds that right, gathered on the Sea of Galilee. You have that picture in your mind? And the boat that Jesus was on, it was the same boat that would cross over that he had sat upon so that he could teach the multitudes. There were other boats that are around him, and he was probably on one of his disciples' fishing boats. And at the end of this long day, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, let's go to the other side. We know that it was uh, a custom for Jesus to retreat away into desolate places, to rest a while, to go find those places where he could be alone with his father and pray, where he could be in private with his disciples to instruct them. And so we see this moment when Jesus says to them, let us go to the other side. What we have to understand about this is that this is really, if you think about it, a command of Jesus. He's telling them, let's do this. Let's go to the other side. He knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And just for context, the Sea of Galilee, it was this lake in Israel, and they called it a sea because um, it sometimes acted kind of like a raging ocean. It, it was uh, this lake that was, uh, I think, about five or 6,000 feet below sea level, something like that. And we get these hot layers of heat down upon the lake. And then over in the distance was Mount Hermon. And it would be these cold uh, layers up on the top. And what would happen is this wind would form and gust through the channels of the hills and hit that Sea of Galilee, and it would turn into something like a hurricane, like full-on, full-force, gale-force winds. And that is where they were. They were on the Sea of Galilee. It was about 13 miles at its longest point, And it was about eight miles at its widest point. And so from where they had to go to go to the other side was about maybe five to eight, um, five to eight miles. All right, and so the, the thing that we need to see here about the Sea of Galilee is that, again, there would be these sudden storms. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, what would be a calm, smooth sea would turn into something like a hurricane. Now listen, guys, isn't life like that sometimes? I mean, doesn't life sometimes feel like everything is just fine, you're cruising along, everything's good, nothing to complain about? Life is great. And then out of sudden, like that, out of nowhere, tragedy hits. The storm comes. And, and, and you just get confused. You get overwhelmed, you get stressed out of your mind, and, and you're looking for direction. Hopefully, you're turning to God in that as the disciples do, but, but here's the fact that we have to understand. Life has storms, and this story today is going to tell us about that kind of storm. Now, Jesus again said to them, let us go to the other side. The other side of the Sea of Galilee was the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes. And this was a Gentile area that most Jewish people, you know, that didn't go to that side of the block, you know. But Jesus wanted to go there. As we're going to see at the next time we pick up Mark, there's actually an appointment that he has. 
somebody that he's going to meet with, a man who was possessed by demon, a legion apparently of demons. And Jesus was going to deliver this man in a mighty way. And so when he's saying, let us go to the other side, and then the storm comes, you have to ask the question, well, who's behind the storm? And many people have debated how this storm occurred. Was it just a natural occurrence? Was it something that God providentially ordained? Was it something that the devil did in opposition to the fact that Jesus was crossing to the other side to cast out demons and he tried to oppose that work? Was it a natural occurrence? Was it an occurrence of God? Was it a spiritual force of witness? What was it? I don't really know. The text doesn't really tell us. Which is, here's the thing, I don't always know where storms come from. I don't always know why the hard things in life happen. Why do children sometimes die at a young age? Why is there times when life seems to be so great and the person that you think you're going to hold hands with for the rest of your life ends up leaving you for somebody else? Why do these things in life that are so hard and so tragic come about? And where do they come from? And where do we get our answers from? I don't know. I don't always have a straight answer. The Bible doesn't always give us a straight answer. But what the Bible does tell us is that there's someone with you. That there's somebody in the midst of the storm with you. Jesus gave a command, but he also gave something of a promise. He said, let us go to the other side. If Jesus said, let us go to the other side, do you think they're going to get to the other side? Yeah. See, it was in obedience that the disciples took Jesus as he was and with the other boats began to the other side. Keep that in mind, that it was in obedience that the disciples were going to the other side. It was obedience in following the commands of Jesus that then a storm arose. You have to understand that storms don't always come in your life just because you did something wrong. A lot of times people think, why is God punishing me? And you have this sense of like, I did something bad and I did something wrong and this is God's way of getting back at me. When really the storm comes because the disciples were in obedience to Jesus. They were following his commands. And then they also had to see it as a promise that he would get them to the other side. Because chapter 5 verse 1 says, they came to the other side of the sea. Now, what if, you know, Mark's gospel just ended. And immediately the boat capsized and Jesus drowned and the disciples perished there with him end of story no that's not how the gospel ends because we know how the gospel will end if you will is that jesus is ultimately going to the cross that jesus would go to the cross as a sacrifice for us now verse 37 we read as this storm arises Check it out in your Bibles, verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Right? Casual journey across the sea. Everything's calm, and then all of a sudden, that gale force wind comes, and the water, if you know anything about boating, right? Water is supposed to stay outside of the boat, <laughs> And water is billowing into the boat so that they're actually beginning to sink. And guys, these were like, not guys who were like kooks going out on the water not knowing what they're doing. These were experienced fishermen 
who knew how to navigate through the Sea of Galilee. This was their place. This was the, the spot where they fished frequently. And the vessel is beginning to fill with water and they're panicking and fear is sitting in and they're saying, oh my goodness, where's Jesus? Is Jesus concerned? Is, is Jesus afraid that the boat is gonna sink? What's Jesus doing in this fearful moment? And we read verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. <laughs> Guys, that's, that's meant to hit you. Like, that's meant to be like, wait, what? Really? That's what he's doing? He's taking a siesta on a pillow? It's meant to have that impact when we read that. Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Jesus was at perfect peace in the storm. He was sleeping like a baby. Totally at peace with the situation. Now, we have to think about, again, I want to go back to the nature of Jesus as we see here that he's fully God and he's fully man. Let's think about this for a moment in his humanity. I mean, Jesus was tired. The guy needed a nap. And he was in like full-on REM sleep, just conked out in the stern of the boat, found a little pillow, rocking away. He's tired and he's sleeping. He needed to nap. That's just him and his humanity. But you also have to think about Jesus in his deity. Jesus was that perfect peace because God had a perfect plan. Don't you think that Jesus knew the story of the gospel wouldn't end at chapter four with him and his disciples drowning? Don't you get the sense that Jesus knew that there was going to be a storm? But the disciples didn't. The disciples didn't have the same kind of peace that Jesus had here. They're thinking that their fate is totally different, that they're gonna die right there. And so we look at verse 38. What are the disciples going to do? They see Jesus right there at the front of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It's okay. I totally understand. Lord Jesus, I pray for that little baby right now. Lord, you can calm wind and waves. I pray you calm that little baby right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There you go. Not that I have the authority of Jesus to stop crying babies. I totally understand. I'm a parent, so don't feel bad. Sorry for call, calling it out. But here we go. Let's just keep going. If, if they could endure storms, we could endure a little crying. It's fine. Let's stay focused on the word of God because it's so good. It's so good. So they see Jesus asleep on this boat, conked out on a pillow. And they're like, guys, this boat is filling with water. Any more water comes onto this boat, we're all going to sink and drown. I don't know how good of a swimmer Jesus was. I mean, he liked the beach, but... It, they were probably right in the center of the lake. They weren't going to swim to shore. And the disciples see him and they're like, do you not care that we are perishing? And I love, I love this actually, this statement. Because for me as a human being, I can sympathize with them. Because life sometimes gets scary. What starts out sometimes as a mellow journey in life ends up quickly turning for the worse. 
And, and you know the stuff that I'm talking about. I've already mentioned a few things. I don't know what you're going on, what's going on in your life. I don't know the trials that you face, the tribulations you've experienced, the testings that have happened in your life. I don't know. I know that they're, God uses them for good, but I don't know what you've been through. You know what you've been through. And you know the hard things that you've gone through. And there's some things that maybe God has given you an answer for. And there's things where you just don't know why things have come the way that they have come. And we can just all agree as humanity, life sometimes sucks. Life sometimes is tragically difficult. Life is terrifying at times. Storms are scary. And it's times like these when the storms of life come and they beat against your vessel that people often ask the questions like the disciples asked here, God, do you even care? God, are you asleep in this situation that's going on in my life? So the disciples wake Jesus up and they said to them, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, if we know the love and the mercy of Jesus, we know that he does care. We know that Jesus cares, but in that moment, the disciples weren't sure. In that moment, right, their humanity is on display. Life is hard sometimes. Sometimes it does feel like Jesus doesn't care. Sometimes it does feel like he's totally unaware of your storm. But the word tells us, and my experience will tell you, and hopefully your experience will speak of this, that Jesus does care and that he is aware. But listen, as a pastor, here's what I want to say to you. And as a church, this is what we want to say to you, is that it's okay to talk through those real feelings and those doubts it's okay to be honest before God and say things like, God, have you been asleep in my storm? God, do you care about what I'm going through? You know, the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. I love what Ben Kai said last week. He said, too often the church makes the mistake of trying to move people too quickly through their pain and hastily tell people what they should be believing in a situation without sitting with them in their pain. Verse 39, it says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And I believe that Jesus will do that in your life, that he'll speak peace into your life. But if you're not at verse 39 yet, and right now you're kind of stuck on verse 38, where you're wondering, does Jesus even care what's going on in my life right now? Is he even aware of the storm? I, I just beg you, to be honest with Jesus. When I say bring the real you to the real Jesus, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Where we can be honest before God in church. We know that storms come in life and we know how the story unfolds. We know that God cares and that we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. But listen, it's okay to be honest with God and to have your questions. Bring the real you to the real Jesus. And so if you are willing to be honest to God and, and say the things that you need to say to God, it's going to require you to realize something as well. It's going to cause you to realize that if you have 
the honesty before God to speak to him and question him and what he's doing in your life, you need to also understand that Jesus is powerful and authoritative and he might be asking some questions back at you. Look at what it says in verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Notice right there in verse 39, what was it that woke Jesus up from his sleep? Was it, you know, him worrying about the previous day? Was it anxiety about tomorrow? You know, so often we lose sleep over all sorts of things, anxieties and worries that don't add a single minute to our life. Jesus was not worried. Jesus was not anxious. He wasn't knotted up with all of these things. Was it the howling wind that woke Jesus up? No. Was it the splashing water coming into the boat that woke him? Like little water came on his face and, whoa, what was that? No. What was it that woke Jesus up? It was the calling out of his disciples. That was a bummer. (laughs) Uh... It was the calling out of his disciples. Listen, Jesus instantly, right here, he woke to the needs of his people. Jesus can sleep through circumstances in his life, right? Um, Do you realize that in 2020, Jesus is not pacing back and forth in heaven? Oh my gosh, what just happened to this creation that I made? What is going to happen? Like, it, like as though he's in heaven worried right now and anxious about how this whole pandemic is going to unfold. Do you think Jesus is worried right now? No, he's at perfect peace. He's calm. He's still. Now, what was it, though, that aroused Jesus? What was it that woke him up? It was the call of his disciples. God does not slumber when his people call to him for help. Now, the key is, is that you need to make sure that Jesus is in your boat in the first place if you're in a storm so that you can call out to him and he can answer. I mean, if, here's another situation. If Jesus is not in your boat, and by the way, the boat is kind of a metaphor for your life, right? If you didn't get that yet. If Jesus isn't in the boat with you yet, if he's not in your life, if he's not your Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell you another storm that happened for the disciples where they're in the boat and the sea is raging. Same kind of situation. What's Jesus doing? He's walking across on the water, just walking on the water, walks as if he's just going to pass them by. And to the cry and to the call of his disciples, what does Jesus do? He steps on board. He comes onto the vessel. And as soon as he gets in the boat, what happens? The storm ceases. I'm just going to say this, whenever Jesus is in the boat and you call to him for help, he will answer, he will calm your storms. If he's in your boat, call to him. If he's outside of your boat, he's not in your life yet, ask him to come into your boat, he'll calm your storms. You have to have Jesus as the captain of your soul because only Jesus can give us an anchor of hope for our souls. Only Jesus has the power and the authority to still whatever he says, be still. When Jesus said be still, he said be still and stay still. When he spoke to the storm, it's as if he said this. Listen, guys, it's like he said to the storm, sit down and shut up. That's that's a good translation of what he said to the storm. Whatever's going on in your life, if Jesus speaks into your life, it has to obey. 
Again, verse 39, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The way that Jesus responded in this situation is so good. It says that he rebuked the wind. Makes me think of what was at work, because the same word rebuke is the same word that he used to cast out demons from oppressed people. So whether this was a natural occurrence or a spiritual occurrence, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It just matters that Jesus speaks and there was obedience. Here we see that there's power and authority displayed by Jesus. In chapter 5, we're going to see that he has power and authority over demons, sickness, and death. And right, right here, we're seeing Jesus has authority over nature. If he made it, he has authority over it. Now verse 40 said, and he said to them, why are you so afraid? How are we doing there, Sam? Sounds echoey. Something happened. Sound good? Okay. It was like feeding back. Sorry. All right. Wow. You guys good? Good, good, good. All right. So when Jesus rebuked that wind, he rebuked it and it, it it stilled. And then he turns and he speaks to his disciples. Now, I wish that I could hear the tone of, his, of what he says to his disciples. Read it, verse 40. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I don't know what the tone of Jesus was. Was it like really gentle? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Or was it like kind of stern? Something of like a rebuke. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I mean, there's real difference. I, I don't know what the tone was, but I, I know that when Jesus spoke those words, he knew exactly what his disciples needed to hear. I don't know what tone you need Jesus to have with you in your storm. Maybe he, you need the gentleness of Jesus. Guess what? Jesus is gentle. Maybe you need the sternness of Jesus. Guess what? Jesus can be stern. Jesus speaks into this moment and he asks two questions. And before we think of these questions, I want to go back to that point I made, which is that if you're going to ask questions of Jesus, you need to prepare yourself for him to ask you questions. So often we think that we can come to Jesus, question his character, question his conduct, give your peace of mind to Jesus, and yet we're never opening ourselves up for him to question our character, for him to question our conduct. We can come to Jesus and say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? But are you allowing Jesus to come to you and say, why are you so afraid? Do you not have faith? Are you prepared for Jesus to come back to you with some questions for himself? And the whole implication of these questions is, why are you so afraid? Because guess what? With Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. Why are you fearing? I don't want to make too much of what 2020 has been. I, I'm using it, I guess, as an example of a collective storm. I don't know what you're going on individually in your own lives, I pray Jesus would speak to you today, but collectively, we're all in the midst of probably the most quote-unquote suffering we've been as a society as a whole. 
Again, Jesus is not in heaven pacing back and forth, worried or anxious or afraid of what's going to happen. So why are we afraid? Do we not have faith? Do we really think that the church is going to go extinct? That's ridiculous. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. If he said we're going to the other side, we're going to go to the other side. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. If Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, they're not. He said, I have all things control. All things consist in Jesus, meaning all things hold together in him. Do you think the world's going to fall apart? No, because Jesus holds it together. So why would we be afraid? Why would we have no faith in these times? Now, Jesus uses this whole experience as a time of growth for his disciples. You know, he didn't dismiss the disciples and say, well, guys, you failed the test. Next batch of 12. <laughs> no. Thank goodness, right, Renee? Thank goodness that sometimes when we fail the test of the storm, he doesn't just boot us. He grows us. Certainly he grows us. And if we weather the storm with, with Jesus in faith and not fearing, we will always grow spiritually. The storm is always the best place of growth. Now, verse 41, it says, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? We know who it is. It's Jesus, the son of God, fully God, fully man, sent from heaven to earth to be a captain of our souls. Now, the Bible does not give us the promise that the storms that happen in life won't come. In fact, Peter says, don't think that something so strange is happening to you when the fiery trials come. When the storms come, don't be like, what is this? It's life. But the Bible does promise us that in the midst of the storm, there will always be someone with us. And it is Jesus. And we have the guaranteed promise from our text today that if you call out to him, he will always answer. That whether he's in your boat, he will answer. Whether he's outside of your boat and you want to invite Jesus in your life today, he will come into your vessel and he will be the captain of your soul. Now, this is the one we're talking about. They ask the question, who then is this? This is the one with power and authority. This is the one who brings peace and stillness. This is the one who we do not have to fear with. This is the one that gives us assurance of faith that he is with us. This is the one who said he would get us to the other side. And I take that to be heaven. He will get us there. You can rest in the fact that Jesus will always be with you. So do you have him? Is Jesus in your vessel today? You have to ask that question. Maybe today is the day you ask the question, who then is this? And he responds to you and he says, I am Jesus. I'm your God and I am your Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that we have you present with us now. Lord God, I ask right now, Lord, that you would speak by your voice, Lord, and you would call to the storms and you would say, peace, be still. 
God, I pray, Lord, that the greatest storm that humanity has faced is our problem of sin. I pray that today would be the day, Lord, that by turning from sin and turning to Jesus, people would experience the greatest calming presence they've ever had in their life. Lord God, I ask, Lord, that there would be people to receive you today for the first time or that they would call upon you knowing you're in the vessel and you do care about their situation. Lord, bless your people today, I pray in your name. I want to give an opportunity and then Pastor Rob's going to come up and we're going to take communion together today. But I want to give an opportunity for anybody to accept Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. And we're going to make this different at different times of how we go about this. There's times when I might ask you to stand up and raise your hand. There might be a time that I just have you right where you are, close your eyes and pray. Um, But here's what I'll just say today. I'm gonna be standing right over here along with some of our other pastors. And during the communion and during the worship time, if God was just really speaking to you and you wanna ask Jesus into the vessel of your life today, why don't you come? I'd love to talk with you about that. I'd love to pray with you. And uh, let's, let's onboard Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.